Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude again. Thank you so much for listening, sending me awesome clients, speaking engagements, buying my books. My heart just pounds. I got the best peeps in my corner and I bring on the best peeps. My next guest, talk about wanting to be a better person. She reminded me of the little things you can do to give others. And it also makes you feel great inside, right? When you give back to anyone, oh, there's nothing better. She reminds me that it doesn't have to take a lot of time or you don't have to hate it. There's so many things that you can do for your community and volunteer that you're passionate about, that you like doing. Her latest book was Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide at Making a Difference. And you're right, teens are busy, but there's so many things that I didn't even think about that they can do to fit their schedule and what they enjoy. But all I kept thinking about is, yeah, I think I do good things. I serve others. But sometimes I feel like I don't have the time. I don't know about you. How am I going to fit that in? And guess what? It doesn't have to be a lot of time. Start out doing what you feel good about and that you like doing. It's a win-win situation. Trust me, people, you're going to want to listen to this, share it, and like it. And as always, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Ah, I can't wait for you to meet my next guest. This is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. But before I bring Natalie on, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's an author, speaker, nonprofit founder, and passionate advocate for family and youth service. She has written two books, Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back, and Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference, which was published in July. Woo, woo, we love that. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is New York representative, New York representative of Doing Good Together, a national nonprofit that helps parents raise kids who care and contribute and is a member of several philanthropic giving circles. Natalie, you've been busy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Sandy. That was a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you. So wait a minute. Do you live in New York City? I do. That's where I'm talking to you from. If you hear some honking or screaming on the street, you'll just disregard that. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll feel like we're a part of New York, you That's know, which right. I love. So you're right in downtown New York? We're in, uh, we're on the Upper West Side, but yep, we're right in Manhattan. We've been here. I moved here after graduate school, so I've been here since 1996. Raised my family here. Uh, we wow. have three, yeah, three kids, 21, 19, and 14. So my two oldest are in college out in Chicago, another city. It's a suburb, but, um, yeah. and then my little one just started high school yesterday, so... Ah! Ninth grade? 
Yep, four more years, four more years, and then we can we can uh, maybe get out of this crazy place. But uh, we love it. We love it. I'm a big theater lover, and um, yeah. you know all of the wonderful things uh, that make New York a special place to visit are the things that we enjoy, and we've been really fortunate to share with our kids. So yeah, oh, I love New York. So I live in the suburbs of Philly, so it's like an mm. hour and a half train ride. And not that I've been going up there that much, but I have them back. I'm like, oh, I've missed you, New yeah. York. It's an energy. There's an energy that's unlike anywhere else in the world. You know, I've been to a lot of other big cities. I've never lived in another big city. I'm from yeah. New Haven, Connecticut, which is, a, you know, a fairly small city. But um, there's just an energy here and an excitement. And um, what was kind of a sad thing about the pandemic for me was it took away so much of what I love about being here. So mm. that was, um, and I felt so deeply for all of the food service workers, all of the theater people. Um, and I'm so, so glad that it's back. Um, that's really important to me to make sure that these folks who thrive on um, people coming to New York yeah. and visiting yeah. and enjoying all of the wonderful things that New York has to offer, the museums and the restaurants and the theaters and the cabarets and all of those good things. Um, I'm just all about, you know, making sure that they can thrive and, and stay here. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Even, I know this is going to go crazy, but I have really curly hair and the <laughs> only place I want to yes. get it cut is in New York. I'm like, that's I'm right. Trying, trying they know so what they're places. doing. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. No, no. And that's the thing. You can get anything done here, right? You can yeah. get a, a manicure on a, a street corner at three in the morning and you can get really curly haircut and you can, yeah. Um, yeah. it really is uh it's it's a it's an incredible place. Uh, it's a very very small, very very big town, you know, of of eight million people. So uh, we <laughs> yeah. love it, and uh, we've loved raising our kids here. I always love when I meet people from the suburbs or other parts of the country, and they're like, "Wow, how did you ever? You know, how do you raise children there? I can't imagine." Yeah, and I'm always yeah. like, "I really can't imagine raising children in Cleveland, Ohio." So <laughs> there you go. I don't yeah. know. Well, you know, I have a funny story. Yeah, yeah. So I went to, um, God, I forget where I met her. But anyhow, my book agent is in New York City, right? And she'll make it now. I don't know why she partnered up with me, Natalie, because she always says, saying, you know, I don't like people. <laughs> so, and she lives in New York. That's a classic New Yorker right there. Yeah, and so every time I come to New York, I think people are really nice. You know, they're lovely. Like, I'll be carrying my, you know, travel bag and, oh, do you need help with this? Or one time I fell and like 50 people went to pick sure. me up in the middle of the road, whatever. Right. And I see, I, like talk about community and right. giving. I said, I felt really welcome in New York. Like I've had a great experience with the most friendly people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's a place of just teeming humanity, right? Yeah. You cannot walk down the street without passing literally dozens of people whose life experience is completely different than your own. Yeah. And I mean that in yeah. terms of their um, ethnicity and their cultural background, their religion, their socioeconomic status. I mean, literally in one block of walking, you have this sort of cross-section of all of humanity, right? The Queens in the borough of Queens, you know, more languages are spoken in the borough of Queens, <laughs> like, you know, all over the planet. Yeah. Like every language is spoken in the borough of Queens. It's incredible. So I think that that's um, a really wonderful way to live and to raise children to remind us all that, you know, we are all more similar than we are different. And uh, we all share so much of our sort of common humanity. And getting along with people is important. 
you know, yeah. and when you're yeah. really pressed up against this many people all the time, you can't help but uh, figure out how to how to live in the world and how to be amongst other people mm. and how to appreciate different perspectives. So I think it's I think it's amazing. You know, that's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. Listen, I could talk to you about New York, New York <laughs> for the whole podcast. But sure. <laughs> let's back up. I asked all my guests one word to best describe your past 30 days, whatever it is that pops in your head and why. Wow. I would say uh, gratitude for me. It has been a really, it was a wonderful summer. Um, speaking to you, you know, two days after Labor Day. So summer is wah, wah, sort of over. Yeah. Um, I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude. I had a, a beautiful summer after two very long and difficult years, obviously, uh, for everyone. Um, my book came out in July Everyone rallied around, so much support, so much love, reposting, mm. um, you know, rating and reviewing online and all of those wonderful things. Um, you know, my kids are healthy and well. They got to do things. They got to travel um, mm. and, and be with other people, you know, the things that they were sort of deprived of, as everyone was over the pandemic. Um, I just feel really grateful. I also think um, a little part of me is um, just grateful to myself for kind of sticking it out. You know, I, there was a chance that I wasn't going to write that second book. I, I had an idea for a podcast and I, I could have doubted myself and sort of just said, mm, I'm not going to do that. And I, I jumped, I leaped and I, you know, the net appeared and I've, I've launched my own podcast where I'm, I'm interviewing teenagers about their service and, and uh, their passion for service. So I, I'm really grateful for just these wonderful opportunities. Um, and I think that that's, kind of the message of my work generally, yeah, which is, yeah. ser you know, service and being kind to others and showing, expressing gratitude actually makes us feel more grateful and makes us feel better about ourselves. And I think we can all agree that after these last few years, um, we need to do everything we can to feel more connected more grateful, more grounded in yeah. our lives. And, and I hope, I hope yeah. that we've, I hope we've gained some perspective um, on the way we're supposed to live. <laughs> I hope so. I really, yeah. I, we, listen, I'm the person you're going to crack up at this. So I don't live in New York, so I can't go outside and there's just a million people. But during COVID, I rode my bike and I was the lady in the neighborhood, like waving to everybody right, right, to have right. human connection. Connection, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah. And so I'm just so grateful. We went to a wedding at the beginning of the summer of a dear friend's child. So first off, like how wonderful to celebrate this, my husband's dearest, oldest friend's daughter's wedding, you know, a child, a person that we've known since she's born, like the amount of love and gratitude and appreciation for that event. I dare say it is hard to go to anything like that. That, any milestone event these days, a graduation, a christening, a bris for a baby, yeah. a, a wedding, and not even a wake or a funeral, to be honest. And and look around at the people who are there, the love in the room, the support, and not feel so grateful that we have the opportunity to gather, period. Just yeah. that basic yeah. thing that we took for granted forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Natalie, you exude gratitude. It, you can see it's innately comes natural to you and you can feel it in every ounce of your bones. And I don't even know you that well, that you <laughs> well, love giving. So if, let's back up a second, because I think for some people who most of my, I'm going to say all my listeners, they want to do good. You know, mm -hmm. they want to help others, but it's not as ease and flow for right. them. Sure. So let's, 
go with one of the questions that I got over and over again from my peeps was, tell us about her family. How did you grow up? Were your parents like this? They want to know where that mindset came from. Because for some, not that they don't want to do good, get that, but they struggle with it. Like, how can I? I got my own issues. I'm busy. All the things that you hear, I'm sure, over and over. You bet. You bet. Of course. So, you know, right off the bat, I'll just say that I am a firm believer that, you know, everyone wants to help others. Everyone feels good when they help others. Everyone feels good when someone is kind to them and when they are kind in response. You know, you smile at another person and they that is a natural, physiologically, you feel better and the person smiles back at you. Um, And so, so I think um, it is a very important point, too, that sometimes it feels like talking about service is talking about something that comes from a place of privilege, like that I have the luxury and I appreciate that of time or resources to give. But I would also suggest that everyone has something to give. Time, talents, resources, mm. um, skills, kindness, patience. Everyone has a gift. And they should be compelled and inspired to share those. Because when they do, um, I think it was Maya Angelou said something like, you know, um, uh, service or giving, you know, in, encourage, you know, in, replenishes the soul of the giver. Like, it, you know, it does something more for the person who gives and the, for the person Absolutely. who has received, right? So Absolutely. We, we know it's that selfish. I tell them I'm very selfish. Very <laughs> selfish. Very selfish. So, but back to your original question about my upbringing, it's funny that it, it doesn't always come up in these conversations. And interestingly enough, um, I was not raised in a home where there was a tremendous amount of bandwidth or time or resources to give back in the community in a meaningful way that was sort of up obvious. Um, My parents came here from Ukraine. So I'm a first generation American. Mm. Both of my parents um, survived World War II. Uh, They were in a DP camp, a displaced persons camp in Germany where they met when my mom was a young teenager. Um, And then uh, that we would call that a refugee camp today. Uh, Those were set up all across Germany and Europe and other places Mm. for folks who were displaced across, you know, during World War II. So they both kind of, they both ventured here. My mom with her, um, with her nuclear family and my dad independently because he was much older than her. And they reunited in New York City and they were married. Uh, they came here in 1949 and were married in 1950. So it's a classic immigrant story. They had no mm. language. They had no money. My dad was a very gifted and talented carpenter and a singer and a woodworker. And a, he had many skills. Um, and so he was a very hard worker. And my mom was certainly a hard, she worked manual labor jobs her whole life. So they were not, um, you know, they, they both worked tremendous hours to put food on our table. So the idea of going out on a Sunday and working in a soup kitchen or cleaning up a local park, you know, that was not the kind of work that we did, which is yeah. the types of the type of thing that I talk about in my books in terms of, you know, role modeling this behavior and taking our children out and yeah. engaging yeah. with them in meaningful service. So we did not do that. However, I will say um, they were always very supportive of um, other Ukrainians who were who would come to this country. So I, I believe that this is true of the immigrant experience. You always want to help others the way that you were helped when you came here. Um, they supported their church to the to the fullest extent that they could. My dad physically built the church and, and did a lot of, um, you, okay. know, you know, he was a carpenter. <laughs> yeah. So he like create, you know, he built part of it and he would always, you know, work uh, there and do things yeah. like that. So there was, there was generosity to the extent that they could be generous. Absolutely. Right? Um, That's huge. And I think it is huge. And then some, some of these like small formative things that I have these memories of, like we used to watch the Jerry Lewis telethon. Remember that, you know, on around Labor <laughs> oh Day. God, and I would, yeah. I would call on the phone, you know, and I would pledge a few dollars and my mom would give me a little envelope. She also, my mom Uh. just passed in the fall. She was 90. Um, 
Well, she was a big supporter of um, the St. Jude Hospital. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think she was just a huge fan of Danny Thomas. Um, and so she thought St. Jude was amazing because, of course, that's a hospital that gives away cancer treatment to children, to anyone, regardless of ability to pay. And so she would always send them like 5 or $10, you know, in the oh. little envelope that they sent. So it's these little things that I think I was raised with, this notion. Um, and my mom also said to me, I, I received scholarship to go to college, obviously. I would not have gone to college without it. I was really the first of my siblings to go away to a, a full four-year college. And um, she said to me when I graduated, and I'll never forget it, she's like, they helped you. They gave you the gift of academic scholarship, to, which allowed you to go to school. Mm. Um, and so it's your responsibility to give back to them. And I'll never forget that. And I have wow. given, given something. I'm sure it was $25 the first year I graduated, but I've given <laughs> yeah. something to my college every year. And so now as an, as a, a person with more means than that, uh, you know, I really feel strongly about supporting academics and education and, and educational access and, and trying to get rid of educational disparity because um, everyone should have the opportunity that I had to, to get an education. Yes. So that's, yes. that's my background. It's sort of a funny um, situation that I came from a world that, that was not as engaged in this work. Um, but it, it taught me, and I think hard work and, and um, just really, you know, understanding that nothing comes easy in this life, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have something that you can share, um, it's your responsibility to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm listening to your family story and I'm getting like chills because I can, they were very loving, giving people, not in the same way, but man, oh man. Right. I mean, they sounded just like tremendous, tremendous people. And I, I have to say, this is a different topic for another time, but given what's going on in Ukraine right now, the heartbreaking situation there, I have to be really honest. My dad's been gone for many years. My mom just passed in the fall. It, I'm almost relieved that they're not here to see it because it would oh. have broken their hearts right, yeah. you know, wide open yeah. to see the children, um, you oh. know, in, innocent people losing their lives yeah. for absolutely no reason at all. So, um, so you know, now it is my, I, I feel really compelled as much as we can to support um, Ukrainian charities and, and refugee organizations. I appreciate there are refugees all over this planet from many, many different countries, but I feel a special connection to what's, you know, to what's happening there, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry about that. No, that, thank that, you. Yeah. That's really rough. It's, it's right. heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I have friends from there too. And I have friends that were lucky enough to get here and, you know, there's stories. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how, you know, I say I don't have the right words to say to you, so I'm just going to send prayers. They're like, Sandy, that's all. We just like that you're caring and supporting. That's right. And at the end of the day, back to gratitude, right? Like, yeah. just for a minute, let's take a, a beat and look outside our windows. And there are no bombs dropping. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I dare say there are bombs dropping in many countries all over this this world. And and where, where women and girls can can walk freely on the street and uh, not in fear all the time. And and our children, you know, have clean in some parts, in most parts of our country have clean water. Like I, <laughs> most, I um, yeah. you know, I just again back to like, let's just all be grateful for the peace, the relative yeah. peace that yeah. we um, enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you mentioned your school, and this is another, you know, I'm curious because I know you were in the hospital administration and healthcare before yes. you move forward. 
Is that what you went to school for? It is, yes. Yeah. So my undergraduate, uh, I went to Providence College. I have a uh, degree in health policy and administration. And then okay. I got, I worked in a hospital right out of school. Um, and then I pursued a master's in public health, also with a focus in um, health administration and health policy. So I've always been, a, a, you know, if you want to, again, go back to the beginning, you, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. So I've always been sort of a person who wanted to help, right? I think by definition, yeah, yeah. if you want to go into the healthcare field of any in any way, you are a person who wants to help other people, right? Yes. It's, it's um, you know, it is a caring profession, even if you're sitting behind a desk, um, as I was doing strategic planning and, and other things like that. So um, I always wanted to help. I knew it wasn't min, in my strengths or my skill set to be a clinician. Um, I was not going to be a, a physician or a nurse or a, a therapist of any kind. So I was like, well, I wanted I want to work in healthcare, and I think I'll just go into that on the administrative side, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, you know it's funny because a lot of my guests said what they went to school for, they didn't end up doing. Of course, <laughs> well, isn't that? I say that to my kids all the time. I'm like, don't stress it so much. It all, you yeah. know, it's all going to work out. But again, I think the skills that you gain. So, yes. what are the skills? You know, you learn how to. You know, I, I cared for other people. I had to work on problem solving. I, I had to have you know patience, compassion, good listening skills. All of these things that I learned either through my schoolwork, but more importantly through actual real work. Because who are we kidding? You don't really learn much in school that you apply mm-hmm. when you get out there. You actually have to learn on the job. And um, I think it all is a winding path, but it ultimately leads you to your ultimate purpose and your passion. And so that was the work that I did when I was working outside of the home. I had these three children in fairly quick succession. I I went back to work after the first two in a variety of ways. I was a consultant. I tried to work for myself a bit, some startups and things. And then after my third child, it really became a little overwhelming. My husband, uh, my husband's job was a lot of traveling and things. So, you know, it was important for us you know, to us for one of us to be home. So I stayed home. And that's really where this um, becoming the sort of resource uh, around service and volunteering started because I understood instinctively, as I think most parents do, that the best way to raise grateful, grounded, compassionate kids, kids who are not spoiled, kids who don't think they're the center of the universe, is to do hands-on community service. And I was really frustrated that I couldn't really find a resource guide or a database of family-friendly volunteer opportunities in my community. And again, my community is New York City, which is 8 million people. So um, I connected with Doing Good Together that you mentioned in my intro, which had been doing a listing of family-friendly volunteer opportunities right in um, the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And I reached out to the founder and I said, I love what you're doing in Minneapolis. I love your resources that you have online. Could I possibly do a similar thing, like be your um, eyes and ears on the ground in New York City? And of course, as of course, in the way that this always happens in life, because there are no coincidences. She was like, I can't believe you've reached out to me. I, it's been my dream to sort of franchise my idea around the country and get volunteers on the ground in all the major cities and to have a listing like ours in all the cities and to oh. spread spread this good message, this amazing oh. message. So I was the first about 10 years ago, and now there are Doing Good Together representatives in 
many cities around the country. And we all do the same thing. We all curate this listing. It is packaged up and pushed out to thousands of subscribers. And doing good together is sort of the, the catalyst for all of that. So I became that person in my community, yeah. that, role, that Rolodex, that source of, you know, people would ask me where to donate things, books, and used, you know, gently used coats and sports equipment. And if a child had a birthday coming up or a bar bat mitzvah or any of those things, you know, it was always like, call Natalie, call Natalie. So um, that all kind of became my calling, my passion, my mm. purpose uh, while I'm raising my kids and doing my thing. Um, and so I said, there's got to be, and I've always enjoyed writing. I said, there is a book here because I think that parents want this information. I just don't think they know where to begin. And maybe if I'm being honest, they don't really want to take the time to figure it out. So I thought I can write something really succinct, really actionable, really fun and engaging, interactive. And I pitched it to a publisher and they bought it. I mean, that's, yeah. literally, that's literally how it happened. <laughs> and you are living it firsthand because you see, I remember reading about what your three children were doing at, like during the COVID time. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, listen, um, it was a tough time for everybody, right? I, I think uh, I always say we're not we're not going to make this the disappointment Olympics, right? I'm not going to list out all of the things that my kids missed out on because all of our kids missed out on so much. Um, we all did. And and but again, I, I think as we all experienced those first early days were very frightening. And then as, as Mr. Rogers always says, look for the helpers, right? So then what starts happening? <laughs> I love him. What starts happening? You know, you start seeing the people who are risking their lives, right, to work on the front lines in, in healthcare, to um, our, you know, our first responders of all kinds, you know, the folks who are delivering our food, <laughs> literally, because all we're doing all day long is, is ordering food to be delivered to our homes and groceries and things. Um, you know, in here in New York City, where they would open the windows every night at 7 p.m. and bang on pots and, and, and clap for the first responders. And that continued, continued for Ugh. months and months. Love so, it. you know, we were stuck in our house as everybody was, and we thought, well, we could sit here and feel sorry for ourselves, um, as everyone was, or, and feel frightened, or we could do something positive. And, and by positive, I mean, like, a friend of ours worked in an emergency department and she said that there was like kind of a, you know, a food train happening where someone would call in pizzas every night. So we got on that. You know, my daughter is a knitter, so she's knitting scarves and we're sending them to, you know, to our active duty military. Mm -hmm. My little daughter's making like blankets out of fleece and we're taking them to the, to the animal shelters. Of course, the animal shelters ended up being empty, um, you know, writing letters to isolated seniors. And, you know, when you hear about, and I, I'm certainly highlighting on my podcast and elsewhere, you hear about all these wonderful nonprofits and other efforts that sprang up during the pandemic. Like people said, well, our neighbors can't get their groceries. So I'm going to figure out a way to connect our elderly and homebound and ill neighbors who are terrified to go to the supermarket or the drugstore for their, you know, for food and for their medication. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to connect those people with able-bodied young people who are willing and able to go and pick up their things, you know, and you saw it over and over and over again. You know, my favorite segment on the, on the nightly news or on um, 60 minutes is when they do that one really positive uplifting story <laughs> at the end, because, yeah. and that's a great way to end the show, right? To remind us all of our shared humanity and that there are people out there who care 
and who are willing to risk their lives in some cases to get out there and to help their neighbor. So um, I think that that's what the pandemic inspired me to do and to write about. Certainly, I um, so the, the funny story about the second book is I sold it to a different publisher um, and it was I literally got the contract and was supposed to write it from March 1st of 2020 yeah. until June ah. 30th. So March 15th happens or 13th, you know, and we're all in lockdown and I became ill with COVID as did my husband and it was terrifying. And I, I kind of lost the heart to, to write the book and then out of my grief and loss and disappointment. Um, and so, so many people lost so much. I saw my kids sort of start to emerge from this through these very, very small actions. And again, that kind of took me back to the whole point of this, which is, you know, and the title, Simple Acts. These are tiny little things. Even the smallest rock that you throw in the water is going to make a ripple mm. um, of kindness and goodness. So um, I was able to pull myself together to write the book. It's, of course, taken two plus years <laughs> because pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just so grateful. And I do think at the end of the day, at first, I thought my message wasn't important and that no one cared and who knew who knew what was going to happen to yeah. our, our world. We were all so bereft. And now I think it's more important than ever. I think that serving others is the thing that can help us all stay connected or reconnect and yeah. to feel better about, you know, a really hopeless, hopeless situation that we found ourselves in. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times we think we doubt ourselves and our message. Mm -hmm. And I know even me, I'll think this is common sense. People know this, you know, right. they, I'm not telling them anything new, but right. then I remind myself, okay, nothing's new. We're right. recycling it, but we all need those reminders. We yes. all do, especially yes. when we get sucked into our own issues and we're in the home more. Matter of fact, I was just telling my girlfriend right before you came on, I go, I gotta go. I gotta go. She's an empty nester. Okay. Mm. So kids off to school. She's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I go, you're going to do what you always do. She goes, what? Now you're going to go volunteer. Right. That's right. And she's, she's like, what do you mean? I go, I know you do a lot of community service, but if you do have that extra time right, and you're going to fill that void and she's like, Oh snap, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. The best way to feel better about yourself to pick yourself up is to stop thinking about yourself. It, right? <laughs> Turn your gaze yeah. outward. The best way to forget your problems, even yeah. for five minutes, or yeah. to stop feeling sorry for yourself, or to stop you know, berating yourself about the silliest things, is yeah. to look outside of yourself and realize somebody out there has it worse off than you. Somebody is lonelier than you. Somebody yeah. could really use your help, your kindness, your goodness, and the, and the feeling that you'll get back. You know, the research around this is so clear. There is clearly yeah. an endorphin rush. It's called a helper's high. It's very similar to a runner high. And it's a physiological response that the brain has if you've done something for someone else and it has eased their burden, it's made their lives better, it's made them happy, they smile at you, they express gratitude, even if they don't. I think it's even been shown you can do something for someone else who will never have the opportunity to thank you. And yeah. you will feel yeah. so, so good about that. And so the best way to get out of a funk, I say, is to get up and go and do something for somebody else. Always. Always makes you feel better. Yep. Always. All right. So who's your posse? Who are the people <laughs> that surround you? Because I always believe you can't do it alone. Yep. Who are your peeps? People say it's your top five, but the people that lift you up, that support you on the days that, you know, you're just like, I don't know if I can do this. 
Yeah. Well, obviously I have a group of uh, female friends who have been with me for a long time and who uh, really, you know, know me very, very well. I think we all spend a lot of time making kind of surface friendships and surface connections and things. And then there's a smaller group, you know, again, like you said, that group of five or, or maybe it's a little larger who really know you and who with whom you can be honest and vulnerable and truthful and really yep. share. Um, and I think that, that those are the relationships that really matter such that I listen to their complaints and their problems and their fears and their vulnerabilities and they listen to mine. And they're not always yes people. I think that's super important. You, you shouldn't have Extremely. people around you who are always blowing sunshine up, you know, and telling you how great you are. Um, but at the same time, I think that having people just, even if it's one or two people who you can be completely honest with when you're having a terrible day, you feel so much better. <laughs> if yeah. you could just, this is what therapy is all about, right? If you can just share that, it, it eases the burden. It just, you know, you take it off. So I have, I'm really fortunate. I have a few friends who are like that for me, an, an old dear college friend my roommate from the very first day we lived together for four years so we're you know we're friends now over yeah. 30 years um and i have several women in my community here um and i have to also say my posse includes now um and i'm, I'm so just overjoyed and again very grateful for this other female authors and women that i've met through this sort of women author world and and writing workshops you know writing workshops are very vulnerable places because you're given a prompt and you're supposed to just sort of write whatever comes to mind very quickly and then you're supposed to share and that's a place of vulnerability right and yep, i yep. have never in my life and i mean this sincerely and people say oh women are so mean to each other and backstabbing and whatever you share something in one of those, it feels like therapy. There's five or six or 10 women on this call. It's now all virtual typically. Yeah, and yeah. everyone has something positive and uplifting and generous to say about what you've just shared and they feel a connection to it. You know, writing, the beauty of being a writer is that you are you get you can unburden yourself from things and it makes you feel connected to other people. Someone out there is going to share your experience or a piece of your experience. Yeah. It's going to resonate with them. And so this this community of women writers, typically they're women, I'm just that's for me, um, <laughs> has been so supportive, so uplifting, reposting about my stuff, applauding for me, telling people about me. I mean, and some of these women don't know me from Adam. Like we just met yeah, in the last yeah, year yeah. or two through this process of publishing these books. And I'm just really overwhelmed by that and, and the generosity of spirit because, again, you know, they're they're putting themselves out there. I celebrate them and they celebrate me. And that's just really just just yeah. so awesome. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you're drawing that in, Allie, because of who you are, because I found the same thing. I did a speakers shout out to heroic public speaking i took a course and it was a seven eight month course and i was with 40 people that came mm. together locally from around the world for, well maybe 50 and most of it virtual some of it in person and they're all going after the same thing these right. keynotes but guess what and they were men and women i've blown away about how much this group continually helps each other, supports each other. Yes. It's just crazy to me. And I do believe that is one of the upsides that came out of the pandemic mm -hmm. are finding those people that you can connect with that you never knew virtually. Right. 
That's you know? absolutely right. These are friends you would never have made because they live Ever. across the country, across the world, whatever. You know, it just reminds me of that phrase, you know, we rise by lifting others, right? That to me is exactly what it is. As you said, you're all going for the same thing. If I'm in a writer's workshop and we're all like someone announces a, a writing contest, an essay contest, we're all going to submit. Yeah. And all of us, I guarantee you, if one of us were to win, everyone else would be so excited yep. and would post about it and congratulate and clap and all the things, all the things, right? And to me, that, you know, again, we, we all win. If you win, we all win, right? If I win, we all win. Like, that's the perspective. I think that's true in all aspects of life. That's true on teams. That's true in the in the workplace, certainly. Um, you know, and, and in friendships, you know, those supportive, you know, loving, you know, encouraging, you know, pick you up when you're down, be honest with you when you're, when you're really struggling with something and not just yes you all the time. That is just critically important. I, I don't think you can get through life without those types of relationships. Oh, well, I know for me, it wouldn't be as joyful. That's for sure. That's right. That's it's right. a lot more joy. Okay. So one mentor, if you could mention somebody in your life that you really thought, oh, they're the bomb to me. Not that you didn't have many, but one. Right. Well, I would have to say it was a woman that I worked for in my very first job, and we're still we're still friendly to this day. She's had a ton of health issues over the years, and she's beat every single one. She's this tiny, tiny person. Um, she's a you know four foot nothing kind of tiny, tiny little woman who was the sort of um, right hand person to the CEO of the hospital, and she hired me to be her right hand. So I'm 22 years old, just out of college, and she was a Spitfire, so smart so focused, so organized, and such a big picture thinker that she helped me to see and also knew exactly how to listen really, really carefully and how to manage different levels of expectations. I mean, I, I learned more from her. I worked for her for probably four or five years before I went on to graduate school and moved away. Um, but she just was um, not a person who had a family. She was married, but never never had children. She Her job was her life, certainly, mm. um, but she loved travel. And she was a funny person and so well-read. And, and she just it really inspired me to know that I could kind of do anything with my life. She also really believed in me. She thought that I was, you know, bright and I could I could achieve things. She was not at all surprised that once I got my master's, I kind of took off from New Haven and went on to greener pastures yeah. in New York City. She's like, go, go, go pursue those dreams. That, you know, having a mentor like that, having someone like that in my life at a very young age who happened to be a woman, <laughs> so in the professional workplace, um, really was an incredible thing for a young person who didn't know exactly what she wanted to do. And I, I didn't really come from a world like that. Yeah. Um, you know, my parents were both kind of, you know, blue collar workers and um, my mom cleaned offices. You know, I, I just really needed someone like her. Um, and she has has continued to be this just warm and wonderful presence in my life. And I'm, I'm just so grateful. I think and again, back to the, we rise by lifting others. You know, yeah. she mentored me, she taught me so much and then she let me fly, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the point of it is like roots and wings, right? And and if you can do that in your life, help a younger person to figure out their path, figure out their passion and their purpose in life. Yeah. Wow, that's a gift, you know? Yeah, I was thinking, I was very fortunate that I owned health clubs and I got to meet a lot of young people. And I didn't realize, Natalie, how much I was mentoring them. And mm -hmm. when I sold them, 
I didn't know about COVID, but I sold them in 2019. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank right, you. exactly. <laughs> My goodness. But it was a void I was missing. So I, I, I didn't know. Something was bothering me. And then I realized, like, with all I do, I still wasn't giving back in that way. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out other ways, you know, that I could mentor because I had so many great mentors. And mm-hmm. man, oh, man, it, I, it just... it. It changed me again. I, you know, I didn't even realize how much it was a part of my life and how much I would miss it. But yeah, any time you can point somebody in the right direction or even make them believe in themselves just yep. for a minute or they're that they're worthy. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I, I think it's the single most important thing that we can do for kids, for young children, especially who are under-resourced, who maybe don't have a lot of support and encouragement at home. Like this, a one trusted adult one kind, you know, loving adult in a kid's life, I think can really change everything. You know, my husband was a a big brother. My husband was part of a big brothers, big sisters program in uh, Phoenix, uh, right out of college. And this was before he went to law school and and business school. And he was paired with a young man and who was like eight or nine. and, And the father was not in the picture and the mom had some some struggles. Um, And so he was his big brother and he would take him to basketball games and they would hang out and whatever. Even when my husband went away to to law school, they they stayed in touch a bit. And then they lost touch, of course. Do you know now all of these years later, I mean, we're talking like 35 years later, he, he reaches out we are we are reconnected with him. He is married. He has children. He has come to visit us. And based on this experience with with my husband and and how much that meant to him in his ability to to grow up and kind of get out of his circumstances, he has started a whole nonprofit in Phoenix, which which mentors and brings young people off the street in and gives them these opportunities. They have a radio program. I mean, it's incredible. Ooh. And like, I just feel like. I'm not saying that that wouldn't have happened if my husband had not been his big brother, but no, the, the fact that, you know, somebody cared for him, someone believed in him and he has, has done this with his life. Like it's the ripple effects, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. The, the thing that each person does that impacts the next person. It pays it forward and forward and forward. Absolutely. You know what? I have to tell you this. So I had a woman on my live show about a month ago. And she was telling me almost the same thing. She was a big sister. Mm-hmm. And she didn't think she really, by the way, had a big impact because this girl had a lot of lot of different issues. And then she moved away and she just thought she didn't even make a dent, right? right. She didn't make a dent. A few weeks ago, like it was just recent, she reached out to her on social media and she was so nervous about reaching out like, oh my God, you know, what, what right. is this about? Because it... She was a really bad situation. Here she is, has a great job, married, kids, and called to say what an impact she had in her life. What? Right. Right. And that's the thing. You would not know. I mean, social media makes things a little bit easier now, right? And and in fact, this young man found my husband because he had been in some article or something. Otherwise, he might not have found him. But you and my husband's name is fairly common. So it's like you could Google a person and never actually find them. But the truth is you will never actually know what you have, how you have impacted someone's life, probably, you know, every day when you interact with strangers on the street, right? You know, some kind word that you said to someone at the, in the, 
in the coffee shop could have changed the trajectory of someone's day. And so therefore, maybe someone's week, their life. We don't, you don't really know. And that's why teachers are such superheroes, right? They impact children every single day. And then they go on and there's a new class and a new year and a new year. And 20 years later, 30 years later, they get a letter that says, you know, I became a writer because of you. I became a doctor because like you have no idea Mm. how your actions are going to impact another person. So let's go back to just from a baseline, <laughs> let's just be as kind and generous and caring yeah. as we possibly can, because maybe something that you're doing, maybe it is just that one tiny thing that is going to make the difference. So yeah. why not try? Why not make that effort? I, I agree. I, I watched this by this way, this, uh, I go to, <laughs> I go to the grocery store again, like the local Trader Joe's or Whole Foods sometimes once a day just to see humans, right? Right. <laughs> And so they're always like, here she is. Hi. hi." Right. Whatever. Well, this one young lady told me that there was a woman in line. She was singing to herself. She didn't see somebody come up in the line. And the woman said, oh, my God, you have a beautiful voice. She's like, oh, oh, I didn't need to be sitting. And she said, yeah, you really should do something. She's like, well, I'm too shy. And she was telling me that she wishes she saw that woman again because she went and she's been singing in her church choir now for two years. All right. the woman did is say, you have a lovely voice. That's right. And then she sings in the church choir. And then maybe she meets someone in the church choir. Or maybe she becomes, yeah. like, you just don't. That's the amazing, amazing thing about life, just generally. Yeah. And the ma- sort of the magic, being open to the possibilities, sort of to the to yeah. the magical nature of, um, you know, and, and that's just keeping your eyes and your heart and your ears and your mind open to all to all of it. To, to all of life's experiences. Um, and that's, I think that's the best thing we can do as parents, right? And that's what service is. That's what it is to go out and, and engage yeah. with our community in a meaningful way is just understanding other people's perspectives and keeping all of our senses open to, to all of the wonderful things that there are out there. Um, I don't know. I just think these are, these are beautiful stories and they repeat over and over and over again. There are, you know, obviously yes. mil- millions of these stories. Um, and if that isn't the best indicator that this is how we should be living our lives, yeah. you know, not staring down at our phone, only worried about ourselves, always angry all the time. You know, <laughs> we've had, we've had enough of that. I think. <laughs> I think so. All right, Natalie, I'm so happy you came on the show. I am Thanks so, so thrilled that you're starting your own podcast, but before we go, I almost forgot to get in. We need to know this. This is a big thing. <laughs> what is your morning routine? Wow, my morning routine. Well, I, I'm a big coffee drinker. So, you know, first thing I do, <laughs> I have to have a little energy and a little caffeine. So I get out, I stretch a little bit out of my bed. I make sure my dog is taken care of and I make my coffee. That's the first thing I do. I'm an exercise person, but I can only do that in the morning. So I either go for a long walk or a jog outside or I do an exercise class on my Peloton. Um, and then I check my emails. Sadly, I have to do all of that, you know, several different emails addresses for different commitments that I have. Um, And then I get my daughter to school and then I kind of start the rest of my day. That's it. It's not very exciting, but it's, um, you know, that's what keeps me going. I do like to stretch a bit when I, when I stand up out of bed, I think everyone needs to take, this is not a mindful meditation practice, although I wish I had one, uh, just a few deep breaths and a few good stretches. I think, uh, grounding yourself a little bit, um, in the fact that whatever the day brings, you can, you can handle it. Yeah. 
I think I'm cracking up here. I'm thinking of when I think of bike in New York, I think Peloton. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually it's a treadmill. I'm not a biker. I don't love to bu- to bike, but it's so I run on the treadmill or I do like a little um, weights yeah. class or something. But it's it's motivating. You know, I got it. Very. I got it over the pandemic because you couldn't go to the gym. Um, yeah. And I'm a person that actually still uses it. I don't use it as my closet. I'm not hanging clothes on it just yet. You're not bugger. <laughs> All right. So where can they find your books? So I have a website, which is just simpleaxeguide.com, and that talks about both books. And, of course, you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, at your local bookseller. They can order it for you. Um, there's uh, from, from both of the publishers. It's two different publishers, but, you know, it's on Amazon. Um, and then on social media, it would be amazing if folks would follow me because I love to amplify positive messages and great stories and wonderful places that you can volunteer and folks that you can support. It's just at Simple Axe Guide. Oh, that's easy. That simple X guide. All right, Natalie, before we close out, any last words, anything you want to tell the people? Oh, I just think, you know, be kind. Just always be kind. That's it. You know, just start from a place of kindness and remember that people are dealing with things that you can't possibly know, burdens that you can't possibly see. So just, you know, be a little kinder than necessary. And be kind. I love that. Be kinder, a little bit kinder. It's such a small thing, but oh my God, so huge. So huge. So huge. Sandy, thank you so much for this. It was really wonderful talking with you. Oh, it's been a blast. It's been a hoot. My let's keep it real people. Come on. You definitely are going to want to follow Natalie. You're definitely, definitely going to want to share this podcast, like it and rate it. It does mean a lot. I'm truly grateful for you guys. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Bye, Natalie. Bye. Thanks so much, Sandy. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.